Welcome to the OmniTalk Fast Five, sponsored by Takeoff, the AM Consumer and Retail Group, and Attentive. The OmniTalk Fast Five is the podcast that we hope each week makes you feel a little smarter and, most importantly, Chris, a little happier too. It's December 2nd. I am your host, Ann Mazinga. And I'm Chris Walton. And we are here once again to discuss all the top headlines making waves in the world of Omnichannel Retail this week. I know. Chris, how are you recovering from Thanksgiving, first of all? Yeah, I got to tell you, and Cyber Week has been cyber sucky for me. Like the alliteration (laughs) there, too. Two different continents, same alliteration. Uh, It's just been horrible. My, My kid got sick on Thanksgiving Day, took him to urgent care. I'm now sick. I've been sick as a dog for the past three or four weeks. If you're watching this on video, look away. I'm hideous right now. Like Aww. it's just, it's just, I'm just, I'm, I'm struggling to get through this weekend. My wife's been out of town sunbathing in Mexico city. So I've been yeah. home with the kids by myself. Mrs. Army talk, shout out to her, but yeah, it hasn't been my favorite weekend. How, how have you been? Um, I mean, I have to say that I f- I'm feeling a little guilty. We did have our uh, OmniTalk Thanksgiving party on Wednesday night and everything was going fine. And so far, knock on wood, uh, my family is is recovering. But yeah, yeah it's uh, it's it's been a rough couple of days. Cyber week. Uh, I don't know. It was kind of a letdown. We're going to talk about it a little bit on the show. But I think that the coolest thing that came out of it, uh, we just put a video out yesterday was um, showing the Adept Mind and Mall of America partnership, how, you know, if you didn't want to go to the mall uh, Black Friday, like many people did not, um, or Cyber Monday, you can still get everything from the mall now delivered to your doorstep. So it's pretty cool. You should check it out on YouTube, but um, but big moves going there. And I think uh, really kind of laying the groundwork for what malls are going to be like in the future. So yeah, we should put that. We'll put the video in the show notes this week too, because it is really cool. That video you shot of how that whole experience works, start to finish, is pretty sweet, and it changes your whole perspective of what shopping a mall in the future can look like. Really, any branded shopping center, in my For opinion. Sure. But and you forgot, I forgot too. You had you got featured on 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 the local news. Oh yes. at like right at like six oh three, like the prime time spot on like Friday night. I was counting it down. It was awesome. Uh, yeah, we, um, we did do a little segment on the news here in Minneapolis. Um, and we've been doing lots of work with urban this week, get a great launch. That was probably the best part of the weekend was really successful, big launch for urban rooster shop and for the local brands that we're featuring underneath that, who are seeing, um, tremendous increases in, uh, revenue already. Uh, from this past weekend. So hopefully continue, go check out urbanroosershop.com if you haven't. But uh, Chris, do you want to get to the fast five? I think I do, Anne. I think I do. I want to get to the fast five. Let's Before the Robitussin wears off, let's get to the fast five. This is going to be, this is going to be a good show. I'm chugging coffee. Let's do this. That's right. That's right. So in today's fast five, we are going to talk Macy's Thanksgiving day NFTs, uh, smash and grabs at Nordstrom and other retailers, Toys R Us making children's dreams come true at American Dream. Ooh, I like how you uh, said that. Oh yeah, uh, boxed moving into fresh on-demand grocery. But first, we're going to take off with a recap of Cyber Week. Uh, Chris, so headline number one: A and M's. They're throwing it up a little bit. They're changing it up a little bit here. They are going to make this their A and M put you on the spot question this week, and it's coming from Chad Lusk. Oh, my so, favorite Chad. Yes. So first we're going to give you an overview. So consumers logged online Monday and spent $10.7 billion marking a 1.4% decrease from levels one year ago. That's according to data from Adobe analytics. So 
this year's tally marks the first time that Adobe has tracked down a slowdown in spending on major shopping days, but they still expect that the season will still see record-breaking e-commerce activity. Now, Chad wants to know, they also did a survey, A&M, on consumer sentiment, and they said that consumers actually are expecting things to get worse. They expect to earn less money in the future. So Chad wants to know, why do people keep spending more? And what, if anything, is going to break the spending bubble? Well, Chad, I'm I mean, so glad dig, you asked dig that into question. the psychology of the consumer right yes, now, Dr. Yes, Walton. No, I will. And I always like when Chad throws me the questions. I feel like Chad and I have this like, like friendly, like beef going with each other on these questions that we did ask him about on his show. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. He's giving me back on me for the answer. No, I mean, I think, I think, I think a couple things. I think number one, I think it's still really hard to make sense of any of the numbers. There's just so much imprecision in them based on what's been going on, you know, over the past, you know, two holiday seasons now for the most part. Um, and I think to the point that they raised in their consumer sentiment survey, which, which we, we covered in the quick five insightful minutes last week, um, you know, there is still some trepidation out there. So I think you're seeing that play out. Um, but the big, my big takeaway from the whole thing, Anne, is that sales just moved up. You know, yeah. that people are wanting to spend, they're wanting to spend on certain categories and spend just moved up more into October and November, especially given the supply chain concerns as well that exist out in the marketplace, regardless of how real those are or not. There's a lot of questions right. about that seemingly now too. But I think that's what you're seeing. And I think you're still seeing people wanting to spend, but they're not going hog wild on the spending, which I think was the point that AM really, I think Jonathan Sharp particularly made in that discussion we had with him, which is, yeah, there are places people are going to spend. But this isn't going to be the profligate spending era like it was in the roaring 20s, 100 years ago, coming out of the last pandemic. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think when Amazon kicked off Black Friday, essentially Prime Day, you know, their own Black Friday in October, that would just got everything going earlier. And so things are spread out. Consumers are also spending, you know, they're doing buy now, pay later. They're spreading payments out. So I think that that's another thing that's come into play here where we saw you were telling me this week, I mean, it was like a 400% increase in buy now, pay later um, over 2019. Like yeah. that's huge. And I think that tells you a lot about the psychology of people right now and how they're thinking about this, you know, spreading payments out. I also think that we are seeing some spending from people like we, we are still going to see holiday spending right now. I think maybe not online, but maybe in stores still too, because they have access to money right now. And I'm maybe thinking like A&M is saying that things are going to get worse down the line, or there's still this unknown that's out ahead. So maybe while they have money now, they're going to stock up or why, you know, deals are available. They're going to try to still get something in before the holidays are over. I also think Chris, I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of returns coming in January, like, or, or people who bought so early on and now are going to be like, eh, the deals are better. Or I found something else. Like when you give people three months to shop versus, you know, a month or six weeks, I think that we could end up seeing a lot of retailers facing, you know, products coming back, um, last minute. Yeah. And that seems like, yeah, that seems like that's something that we're continuing to see year over year too. Your point about BNPL is really interesting to me too. You know, from a sales perspective, the sale will still be captured when it's happening, right? It's mm -hmm. from the consumer side of the, the, for the payments. So that shouldn't necessarily hit the numbers, but I think it does speak to the psychology of what you're talking about here, which is that's a pretty big growth level for right. that type of payment service. And so there are people that are still using that because of the situation that they're finding themselves in. And that's a, that's a really real thing. I think my last point on this, Anne, that you made me think of would be, 
I think the bellwether here is going to be what type of sales do we see in the store activity after the shipping cutoff? Mm-hmm. You know, is it going to be consistent with what we saw on Black Friday? Um, you know, and 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 throughout the course of the weekend, or will there be some bounce that happens there, or will we just be so so far out of product that we're not going to see anything materialize in that to that degree? But regardless, I think it's still going to be really hard to tell. All right, well let's uh, let's keep moving. And um, are yes. you still paying attention? Are you paying oh, attention after you. that long diatribe I just had on <laughs> on Cyber Monday sales? Um, good, because this next headline is brought to us by Attentive. If you want to learn more and see why thousands of brands use Attentive's SMS platform to send interactive marketing campaigns that better engage consumers and drive revenue, then visit attentivemobile.com slash Omnitalk to request your demo today. And my this headline is pretty sweet. I love this. I think actually this headline won Black Friday, Cyber Monday, whatever the hell sure. you want to call that week. For sure. Macy's launched Thanksgiving Day Parade themed NFTs. Yes. And here's how it worked. Macy's auctioned off 10 one-of-a-kind NFTs as part of the celebration of the 95th year of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. They also gave away 9,500. Why 9,500? I'll never understand that. But because they it's gave the away- 95th year. Chris. Oh, right. Oh, okay. That's what it is. 9,500 <laughs> equates to 95th. That's all right, so the Macy's in so many ways. Right, right. But they gave those away free. And all the proceeds, this was cool too, all the proceeds from the NFT sales went to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I thought Macy's won this whole holiday season. This whole last week, Macy's won it to me. I'm giving kudos to Macy's, And Am I right? Am I wrong? What do you think? Yes, absolutely. Chris, uh, for all the listeners, Chris interrupted my Thanksgiving holiday dinner to be like, Anne, check out the NFTs. Should Did we I? buy some? I, I think that. we should buy one. I think we should buy one. And I was like, oh my God, just go back to your gravy. I'm trying to stomach Thanksgiving right now, which is my least favorite food holiday. Um, okay. Yes, Chris. Macy's should have possibly thought about keeping this revenue. Holy cow, the dragon, know, right? the dragon yeah. balloon sold for $310,000, an NFT of the dragon. Yeah, say, say what that is. Like that, that was, there was like one NFT. It's like a little picture of like a dragon float, right? And it yeah. sold for over $300,000. It's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. I joked on LinkedIn, but I think that the intern that came up with this idea <laughs> is maybe in a position to take over for Jeff Gannett next year. Like I would not be surprised to see that headline. But yes, I mean, this is, I told you, I think this is maybe the smartest thing that Macy's has done this year. The rest of the stuff, like put this aside, Macy's, you better bank on this one and see, although hopefully they're not banking too much on just NFTs, but you better, you better think about what you learned from this and how you're going to apply that to maybe trying some new things outside of the legacy retail norm. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, this is kind of crazy though, when you think about it, like what, what these things generated, I mean, the last time I looked and I, 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 uh, the last time I looked, the, the total for these was up over like $600,000. And that yeah. was like with a couple of days to go. So I imagine it finished a lot higher than that. Right. But like, that's nothing to sneeze out for like what, what, and all the bidding essentially was in the first day too. Right. So like you start talking $600,000, that's like in a one day, that's like more than what a store can do for you. So like, it's pretty impressive. Um, and it's all high margin. Like what's the margin on an NFT? Like 99%, like, yeah. you know, if that, like, it's probably more than that. I don't know. We we have to see what they were charging at the uh, the agency that they're working with on this one. Right. I don't know what the right. how right. many people were working on creating those you know ten NFTs, but I'm sure they right. were. But I gotta think you could bring that in house too. Like your digital team should yeah. be able to bring that in house. But I'm telling you, the intern that came up with it, he's got right. he's probably got friends that are all doing it anyway on the side. So right. But I think this has a lot. I think this has a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of road to hoe here, so to speak, uh, because. 
um, or there's, excuse me, somebody corrected me. I said that one. There's lots of rows to hoe here. And that's the yes. correct way to say that. Agriculture. Idiom. Sure. Yes. Somebody blasted me on LinkedIn for that once. But, you know, I think you could, any season that Macy's goes into, they could, you know, spotlight five products like this, give the sketches of those products as NFTs, partner with the brands that, to do that. You know, it kind of makes me think you could like take a piece of like Target's design partnership thing and put that into the digital world in a way that Target may or may not be concepting already. Hopefully they are, but Macy's could go in and grab a foothold there that could be really cool and get people talking about Macy's again in a different way, which I think is really fascinating. Yeah, I think you you tap into something really unique there, Chris, in that Macy's has a legacy. So this is a way that you can bring that legacy, bring some of the the cachet of the brand into the next generation. And they certainly proved that they could do that with these NFTs. Um, I'm going to move on to the next headline, Chris, because Macy's is involved in this one also, but headline number three is that Toys R Us announced that they'll be putting a 20,000 square foot flagship store in the American dream mall in T minus, I think 11 days. It is crazy. They are opening up mid December. Yeah, They're taking another shot at opening a store in the U S after it's comeback plans were thwarted earlier this year due to the pandemic. Um, they are still fulfilling orders, uh, through Macy's.com. Uh, but this store will be a unique experiential store, um, done by the parent company, WHP global it's two levels. It's going to have a Jeffrey's cafe. It's going to have ice cream. It's going to have all these things. It's located right next to Nickelodeon universe, um, in the American dream mega mall. And as a note, the last two remaining Toys R Us stores in the U.S. Uh, are closing in January as shopper visits in the mall are dropping off during the health crisis. So, Chris, this is it. This is the one chance you have to go to a Toys R Us store. And it's a big, big. It's a big one. Yeah, it's a big one. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of mixed on this. I'm kind of mixed on this move. I think you might like this move a little bit more than I do. But, you know, my thoughts are. My thoughts are, okay, kind of makes sense. 20,000 square feet. That's big. It's big, you know? So you're making a, what sounds to me like kind of a flagship outpost in American Dream Mall to highlight the brand. I guess that's cool. It can potentially work, especially given the location. But, you know, I start hearing things like cafes and stuff and like automatically my alarm bells start ringing. But Yehuda, name drop, the guy, the CEO of uh, WHP, is a really smart guy. I've talked to him a few times. Um, knows what he's doing. So I'm curious to see where this goes next. But some, I was talking to somebody this week that, and the conversation was really interesting to me. Someone brought up to me that they think the next digital, the next great toy retailer will actually be a digital first expression hmm. and that the store will actually end up complementing that digital first expression. This does, which is really interesting to me to think about because this doesn't do that. It doesn't look like it's taking this approach at all. In fact, the digital expressions with Macy's, which is a whole nother mm-hmm. tangent we could get off on, which we won't. But I thought that was an interesting way to think about it. And I tend to agree with it, just given yeah. how the world plays out right now. And so that's why I'm a little mixed with this in terms of what long legs this has to stand on, you know, going forward. 
Yeah. I mean, Chris, you, you're kind of hitting on where the challenges arise for me. It's like, do kids these days even know Toys R Us? Like, is that even a thing? Do they, do they know Jeffrey? Do they know all of the allure of, of Toys R Us that maybe kids who are in their teens and early twenties right now, I think you hit, I mean, that's like a light bulb moment for me really, because we, it hits on what we talked about last week with, you know, YouTube and people like starting to shop and be interested in things on YouTube first and then going into the store. Stranger Things just opened a store in LA where they're doing the same thing where it's digital first, where are you having these experiences? And then you create a store and in-person experience out of it. Um, I think that if it's going to make it anywhere, American dream has to be the place where you're doing something like this. That's experiential coming right off of Nickelodeon universe. Like that is still a really cool experience. We just took our 11 year old to the mall for his mall of America for his birthday. And it is still a magical thing to be able to do. It's just can Toys R Us and that product assortment work the right angles to make that an experience that is going to draw families and draw kids the way that they're planning on doing it. And finally, uh, you're going to open in 11 days. You're opening this giant two-story thing in 11 days. Seems really ambitious. Like, yes, it's really, really ambitious. I don't know that I want to launch like at the peak time and peak season. Cause if things aren't right, people aren't coming back. I'm sorry. Yeah. It seems a little, yeah. And also seems a little late in the planning would be my guess on that one. My hunch is people wanted to open it sooner, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, that's, yeah, that, you're right. It's a great location. It's, you know, you know, it, it could seemingly work based on where it is, but yeah, the question is, you know, you know, what happens next with it? All right. Number four, Anne, headline number four, you fought for this one. You fought hard yeah. for this one. So I'm yeah, curious to see why. I did. Um, Box, the online player Box is moving into on-demand fresh grocery with its latest acquisition. According to Grocery Dive, Box. The online seller of all those bulk goods that you know and love so well, and toilet paper, things yes. like cereal, <laughs> is acquiring Max Delivery, an on-demand grocery delivery company company that serves New York City. The acquisition allows Box to expand into dark store fulfillment and rapid on-demand delivery of fresh groceries with plans to scale same-day grocery service across additional unnamed markets. Financial terms of the deal, which is which is expected to close in December, were not disclosed. And I'm using the ominous voice intentionally. Why do you like this so much? I couldn't tell if you were just congested or if that was your ominous <laughs> Probably a little bit of both. Probably a little <laughs> bit of both as I mute myself to cough. Um, well, I have to say, I think that this is a really smart move from Box because Boxed is positioning itself to compete with Costco and the other large players here. And I don't think that you can compete without fresh grocery anymore. I think you have to have some component so that people can get all their trips done in one order um, or as much of the, of a trip done in one order. It's not saving me any time. There's no reason to go to boxed and another grocery store. So I think this was a smart acquisition. I know it's still small, but I think that it's a good way for box to start testing the waters and see in one of their top markets in New York. Um, I also think we're going to see a ton of movement here. Like in the next couple of years, we have target, um, going forward with multiple sortation centers, Walmart's getting into dark stores. And I think that what this comes down to is that convenience for customers is really this kind of blurred line of big box grocery store and warehouse club retailers and whatever kind of like amalgamation of that you can put together is worth testing right now and seeing like where consumers are, are responding and how you're going to best serve them. 
I don't know what your thoughts are though. I mean, no, I think, I think you said the light bulb went off for you in the last one. I think it just did for me with what you said there. I think you're right. I mean, I think there's a lot of white space in the consumer shopping experience around bulk purchasing meshed with produce or fresh, fresh goods that you need. Mm -hmm. Because the problem with going to Costco is you don't need like that many avocados or that many oranges, right? Like you, you never, I mean, unless you have a big family, but for, you know, for the smaller size family, you probably don't. So there is a white space to carve out a niche you know, in that. And I think you're, I think it's cool that you brought that up because it'll be interesting to see how the big players that are starting to use their warehouses more as kind of dark stores or fulfillment center operations that could get the advantage of bulk purchasing or bulk pricing, you know, with the right branding and thought process around how to do that. They, there could be something here. So yeah, it's interesting to see box do this. The one question I have for, and maybe someone listening can, can shed some light on this is, you know, the one thing for me is these things, the, all these acquisitions are always out in New York City, right? Because New York City's got the density and all that. Yeah. And, you know, so I just wonder like how much legs this has. But as a test to prove out your concept, it probably does make a lot of sense. Um, but, you know, a box still, box to me is, feels like the, the little engine that could, but just never does too, in a lot of ways. Mm. Like just does, I don't, I don't ever hear anyone, you know, talking about it all that much out where we live or out throughout the country too. So I'm, yeah. I'm just curious what other people's thoughts are on it there, but but I, I think yeah. you're bringing up a really interesting point for the future of, of, you know, grocery retailing in general. Well, I was just going to say, I think that's going into middle America too. When you start to think about where, what's going to happen when Amazon fresh starts going out too, because then you, you have Amazon who we didn't even mention in this segment yet, but you know, if I can order bulk items and have them delivered to my Amazon fresh grocery store, and then I can pick up, you know, the one avocado, the couple of things for tonight's dinner in that space, that that makes it a, a much more competitive situation too. Um, and we know that Amazon's planning to do that, you know, throughout the country very quickly. Um, uh, okay, Chris, let's get to headline number five. So smash and grab robbers hit several retailers this past holiday weekend, um, about 80 people entered a Nordstrom department store in East Bay area city of Walnut Creek last Saturday, um, stealing merchandise until police arrived and arrested three people. I feel like a real news reporter reading this story. You do. Um, you sound like one too. I, I do not at all. Uh, <laughs> Best Buy also saw retail crime groups attack several of their stores throughout this past weekend. Um, and retailers are taking a variety of measures here from adding security guards to locking up merchandise in order to prevent this. Um, and Chris, everybody, your phone was ringing off the hook, man. You are the smash and grab go-to guy. Everybody from CNN to the star tribune, everybody wanted your thoughts on this. So, um, why don't you grace us commoners with our oh, really? talk listeners with your presence and tell us what you think about smash and grab retailing. Go. Thank, thanks for that good slag. So the, the CNN part that Anne is referencing is the Chris Cuomo show called me up on Monday and had me booked to come on and talk about this subject. But let's just say Chris Cuomo likely had some other things going on this week. And so that ended up not playing out as we expect, but, uh, but yes, yes, they did call the star tribune and we talked to them as well. Um, you know, my thoughts are this, my thoughts is this is good. I think this is really real. Aaron. Um, you look at the trend here. That's what I look at. I try to watch the trends, you know, you and I both, but October you have Walgreens closing the five stores in San Francisco, right? Mm -hmm. Then, you know, mid November, you have this huge smash and grab job at the Nordstrom. Um, and then over the weekend you had, uh, activity in Chicago and Minneapolis, specifically with Best Buy here in, in, you know, our hometown, so it shows me that the pattern is real. And it's uh, the other thing I'd say is it's really hard for retailers to do anything about this. Um, you know, when it's of the size and scale that we're talking about in terms of just the sheer manpower people are putting right. behind these organized crime, uh, 
efforts. Yeah. yeah. Um, now I have some thoughts on how, what I would do, but oh, you know, I, what I would do to thwart you this, and but, Dr. Uh, Oz running for, for office <laughs> in 2020. Jesus, how many, how many pseudo celebrity name drops can we get? Um, but before I do that, I want to, what do you think though? What, what do you, what do you, what do you, what, what, what's your take on this whole thing? Like, do you I think mean, it's something just, they got, we got to watch out as an industry? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I immediately think of the employees in this situation. Like, yeah, 100%. When you work at a bank, you're trained to be like, you know, you have robbery training. And I think that's going to have to start happening in retail situations. And you're already having a hard enough time finding people to staff your retail stores. And now I have to be prepared to like, ward off somebody that's coming in with a crowbar or, you know, is like, you're not going to do anything to stop it. So I actually think that retailers need to be making the case here for, you know, more technology in the stores or rethinking the footprint of the stores. I think this makes a case for more showroom style things, more dark store retailing locker programs. We have a video coming mm -hmm. out um, that, that Best Buy is trying to do this. You know, they mm -hmm. know that this is an issue. How do you create a way for people to get product without having to, you know, have it every single piece of, of inventory on the floor for people mm -hmm. to come and take. So, I mean, I think I'll get a lot of flack from that. People want to come in and have the convenience of still being able to pick something up in store, but you know, do you need to look at 15 different phone chargers at Best Buy? No, you don't. Mm -hmm. I don't think you do. I think, you know, you still have that consult moment where you have people available to help but the Apple store has been doing this for years. Like right. go meet with somebody, have the staff on floor, have one of each model out for display and then go in the back and get the thing. And then you're done. Like there's mm -hmm. just so many other ways that I think that retailers can be using to not have this kind of issue um, and fix that within the stores until legislation or something changes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think your point's interesting too, because I remember Best Buy. Best Buy, you know, remember when they shut down at the beginning of the pandemic, they re retained 70% of their sales. Yeah. And then exactly. they went to appointment only models. So, you know, that's not necessarily something that can't work. That's something I hadn't thought of too. I think that's interesting. The issue I have with this whole discussion too is a lot of the, like you could say, let's use technology to solve it. Like RFID is one that I've been seeing bandied about that I think is probably the most. Yeah, um, that was cool. The yeah. Stuff that they yeah. Found. yeah. 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 Like, but the problem is it still deals with everything after the fact, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't help protect the employees and the customers. Right. And, you know, I've used this anecdote before the scaredest I've ever been, or the most scared I've ever been was when I was working Black Friday crowd control in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And I thought I was going to, I thought I was like seriously in trouble. Like it was scary as hell. And that's essentially what's going on here. And so you have to nip this in the bud upstream, I think, mm -hmm. you know, so it doesn't get out of control. Like you can try to do everything you want after, but, you know, so from my perspective, like, I think that means you've got to look at legislation, like in terms of, you know, what are the penalties when people participate in these types of smash and grab collective jobs, you know, right. are they more stringent when you're shoplifting on your own versus with other people? Right. I think that's something the industry has got to think about lobbying for. But the other thing too, that I think has gotten lost in this conversation and Anne, I want to know your thoughts on this is what's the responsibility of the resale platforms? Because the resale platforms essentially are acting like a fence. They're taking a commission on all these goods. Right. And at what point do we hold them liable for this or demand more from them on this? And I think there's ways to do that too. Like, you know, do we hold back payments to uh, certain businesses that are reselling over a period of time? You know, whatever the window is that these things typically pop up and shut down. Right. You know, like there are things that, and I've only been thinking about this for a week. I'm sure if you get better minds than mine on this, you can think of ways to kind of curb that to a greater degree, especially if they start to get penalized for it, because right. that will start holding their feet to the fire. I don't know. What do you think on that? 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be really difficult to do. I don't know that we have that solution anytime soon, but I think that makes sense. I mean, your point about they're, they're also profiting off of the sales of these is correct. And I think it's only going to get the reseller who's stealing this is only going to get more sophisticated too. Like right now, my guess is, you know, we're looking at Facebook marketplace and Craigslist and stuff just to offload this stuff quickly. But I, I do think, you know, as it, as these rings get more sophisticated, we're going to start seeing entire, you know, new, um, resale platforms that exist to get to offload inventory. And there has to be some regulation there. Um, but I don't know if, if the Facebook and, and Google trials and all the things that are going on right now in Congress are any indication. I think we're a long way off from uh, anybody understanding this enough to make an impact in the short term. Yeah, that's a sad part. But yeah, I mean, you and I were talking this week, which I thought was an interesting conversation too, is like, you know, you could monitor the pricing of, of the different items that are going out through these resale platforms to see what's hot and, you know, very different than what's nationally happening. And that could flag something really quickly. There, there's a lot of, that's actually a really fascinating topic to talk about. I wish we had more time, but um, yeah, but I think it's something to watch. I don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon, but you know, who knows? We'll see. Well, All right, be Anne. Careful, be careful out there. Employees, you especially this week. All right, Chris, let's go to the lightning round. Number one, Lululemon is suing Peloton, claiming they've created copycat bras and tops using stolen IP from previous partnerships. Are you still all in on Peloton's own apparel, or will this lawsuit make make Peloton the Canal Street bootleg DVD version of the Lululemon alignment? Canal Street bootleg DVD version. Oh man. I mean, 2021 has been challenging for my Peloton is the next Nike uh, mm-hmm. theory that I threw out there at the end of last yeah. year, but I'm not, I'm not done with it yet. And I'm not done okay. with it because people are still getting the bikes and still talking about them all the time on social media. It's still a rabid fan base. So no, I am, I'm still thinking there's something there, Anne. Okay. Even though this is apparel and not a bike. Yes, um, I am. Okay. Yes. But okay. So yes, but f- here's my question to you. Fresh off Microsoft naming no code, low code as one of, that's one of my favorite things to say, no code, low code. It's like, put your loco, no code, low code is one of the top retail tech trends for 2022. AWS announced a new machine learning service aimed at this very thing. And what is one thing you wish you could no code right out of your life right now? Oh my God. School changes and updates. Our daycare was closed this week because our teacher had, one of the teachers had COVID. I would like somebody to use machine learning to like recategorize my schedules and help me find a new uh, childcare solution because I don't think this is going away. So that's my answer. Uh, Chris, question three, Snap has released a new feature in their app called Food Scan that allows you to scan any food and then takes you to all recipes for the link to purchase the ingredients. What was the last thing that you ate that made you wish you had this feature? Yeah, first of all, I think this feature is so dumb, but I'm just gonna say that in general. I just I just can't see anybody using this. Like, but here's here's why. Like it's it's Shazam for food. I, I know, but it doesn't make sense to me. So, like, here's what I would use it for. I had a great burrito the other day. Shout out to the local burrito joint, Andale Burrito. Yeah. I'm gonna take a picture of a burrito on my plate and it's gonna know that that's an Andale burrito. Like, come on, like it's just gonna give me the random burrito ingredients from all recipes, but enough. Yeah. I'm done. All right, Anne, let's close it up. In light of the TR news today, one of my favorite questions ever that I've ever asked you, who was the hotter childhood mascot, Jeffrey the giraffe or the little drummer boy from KB Toys? Oh my God, this is awful. This is awful. Um, The KB Toys drummer creeps me the hell out. Uh, (laughs) So does Jeffrey the giraffe, uh, quite honestly. So this is a toss up. I would say either one is 
just no I don't want to I don't want to I don't want it I can't even I don't have words I don't want either one of them no I guess the giraffe is cuter giraffes are cute the giraffe wets your whistle more than a little no it doesn't no it absolutely does not I can I don't want a drummer boy in real life or cartoon form from KB Toys uh, I, I almost went with the kangaroo from Lionel Playworld, but I settled on the drummer boy from KB Toys. All right, well, happy birthday today to Lucy Liu, Britney Spears, and the star of one of the most underappreciated movies of all time, Dennis Christopher of Breaking Away fame. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it Omnitop. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news, and our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you. And we try to make it fit all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.armytalk.blog. Thanks, as always, for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And of course, as Ann said before, be careful out there. The OmniTalk Fast Five is brought to you with the help and support of the AM Consumer and Retail Group. The AM Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption and takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. And Attentive. See why thousands of brands use Attentive's SMS platform to send interactive marketing campaigns that better engage consumers and drive revenue. Visit attentivemobile.com forward slash Omnitalk to request a demo today.